This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. He hit my hands. Nobody has ever hit my hands. I've never heard of this one. Look at those hands. Are they small hands? And he referred to my hands. If they're small, something else must be small. I guarantee you there's no problem. I guarantee it. Okay. Twerking, Dada. Twerking. Excelsior. Welcome back, my dear friends. This is Jay Severin. We are together, the Blaze Radio Network. The ring line is one triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. One triple eight nine hundred three three nine three on Super Friday of Super Week. And let me share something with you that I believe will not strike you as a surprise. All my life. I've trained for the next day. Some of those days were ordinary days on the calendar, but they weren't ordinary to me. I always wanted to be, the next day I wanted to have the best show. I wanted to offer the most clever insights, useful and clever insights I had ever before offered. And... If, you're, if that's your template of performance, as you might imagine, people often ask me, uh, how long did you prepare for today's show? And my standard answer is, all my life. And so when I look at this week, one of just many super weeks, history we are making together, and thank you so much for this job, and thank you so much for being a partner here. When I look at this week, when I look at this election, we're also either damned or lucky because no one has ever seen an election like this before. And it takes extraordinary traits on behalf of you and of a host to deal smartly, cleverly, usefully with an election like this. And this is what I wanted. I mean, I don't want the disintegration of our system. No, I don't want that. But this is the most exciting and extraordinary political campaign probably in American history, certainly in modern American history. And... All I ever wanted was a chance to play at that level because I knew if I tried to be my best, I would be my best. And I knew if I was my best, I knew there's a pretty good chance it would be the best. And with the risk of sounding somewhat immodest, a risk I'm generally prepared to take, 
That's how I feel. I feel we are playing together at our best, you know, in the World Series. Only this isn't even yet the World Series. But I feel awfully good about it, and I'm awfully grateful to you that we are here. We're going to have a a tremendous show today, uh, at the risk of sounding like one of the candidates. But I'm going to start by saying, here's our headline. If you were looking at Fox Television 20 minutes ago, you saw a Chiron title. The title's at the bottom of the screen. And it said this, quote, Romney says, deny Trump delegates necessary for nomination in order to force brokered convention. That will sound familiar to you. And then a moment later, there was an interview with Ted Cruz. Go, Ted, go. And the interview with Ted Cruz contained Ted saying, a brokered convention is the greatest hope and dream of the establishment and the Republican ruling establishment in Washington. End quote. The key to all of this is very simple. It is, as you know, as you recognize, Project 1236. And we exclusively conjured it, explained it, presented it about a week ago. In any case, several days before anyone else in any medium thought of it. And that we were so right and so far ahead of the pack and willing to say, you want to know what the truth is? The truth is the opposite of what everyone else is saying. Here it is Friday, and virtually every media source in America is talking about, oh, well, it's obvious what they want to do is deny Trump the 1236 necessary to win, yada, yada, yada. It boils down to this, partners. Now, Project 1236 boils down to this. Here's your scoring guide for you kids scoring at home. And if you are, remember, your parents will be home soon, so keep an eye on the clock. For you kids scoring at home, here it is. Project 1236 continues undisturbed if Donald Trump fails to win both Florida and Ohio. I'm sorry. No, that's not true. It, it, Donald Trump must win either Florida or Ohio. If Marco Rubio in 10 days, a little less, nine days, if Marco Rubio wins his home state of Florida, then Donald Trump is in danger of not being able to put the arithmetic together. Just physically, the arithmetic may not exist to to avoid a brokered convention. A brokered convention that we know will never, ever give serious consideration to either Donald Trump or Ted Cruz. And incidentally, were they not pulling... 
Project 1236 on Trump, they'd be pulling it on Cruz. And in fact, they will pull it on Cruz if they no longer feel they have to worry about Trump. Because like any good strategy, Project 1236 has a strategic objective as a bumper sticker. And the bumper sticker doesn't say, stop Donald Trump. That's far too narrow. Their bumper sticker says, we nominate. We nominate. The party nominates. Which translates into, the party will not permit the nomination of anyone the party of whom the party does not approve. So, yes, of course it means dump Trump. But it also means dump Cruz. It means we will nominate. We the party. That's Project 1236. So bear in mind, Trump desperately needs Florida or Ohio. And it may turn out that he needs both. But today we will talk about how that plays into what we saw last night. And at one 888 9393 one 888 I have a new Guru Jay, not best on laurels. Oh, no, holy cow, no. Project Zero IQ. I don't know what you watched or saw last night, otherwise known as the debate. What I saw was the culmination, not the rollout, but the virtual culmination of Project Zero IQ. And Project Zero IQ is working. In a moment, we will know The world will know and the clock could start ticking because it'll be about another week or two and we'll then hear someone else tell us, oh yeah, by the way, and then they'll say what we're about to say in just a moment. This is Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. Radio Network. Even though Donald Trump has offered very few specific economic plans, what little he has said is enough to know that he would be very bad for American workers and for American families. But you say, wait, wait, wait. Isn't he a huge business success? Doesn't he know what he's talking about? No, he isn't. And no, he doesn't. His, uh... And whatever happened to Trump Airlines? How about Trump University? And then there's Trump Magazine and Trump Vodka and Trump Steaks and Trump Mortgage. A business genius he is not. Now, that was Mitt Romney yesterday, and it made big news. Big news enough that we ought to ask ourselves, firstly, was a single word of Mitt Romney's false? 
was anything that Mitt Romney said about Trump incorrect? I mean, Mitt Romney is the first guy in the world to sue you for anything. So I'm waiting for the lawsuits. But there won't be any lawsuits. Because in American libel law, truth is an absolute defense. And everything, and far worse things that Mitt Romney called Donald Trump yesterday, are any of them actionable? No. Because they're all true. Now, I don't know that that really seems to matter to anyone. But I just wanted you to hear them. I have for you the second most important next to uh, no, the third most important. Uh, my achievements of this campaign, I hope, will grow. I mean, that's what I shoot for every day. Ranking them right now, my most important pronouncement concept has been twerking. The second most important has been Project 1236. Third has never before been mentioned. I present it to you right now. Project Zero IQ. Ted Cruz won the debate last night, hands down, if what we had was a debate. Did you see that last night? Would you call that an American presidential debate? I'm familiar with the coverage in other parts of the world, especially in Europe and this afternoon, this evening after the show, I'm going to get to see some of the coverage from uh, Russia. We are a laughing stock. Now, it's okay. I'll still sleep tonight, so will you. It's not going to ruin my appetite. But it's of interest to ask ourselves when we do something that makes us a laughing stock, and, and, and if we are a laughing stock by virtue of our presidential campaign, that most revered, most quintessentially American of American things. You know, ought we not be curious, if not concerned? We are a laughing stock. What most people around the world saw last night, they believe, is not a debate, but a circus act. If it's a debate, Ted Cruz won it. But It wasn't really a debate. And they have decreasingly been debates. Isn't that right? Cruz won the debate, but there was no debate. There was a television show. That's what the debates have become, especially by virtue of the perverse influence of the audiences. Last night, the audience was the most ill-behaved, on the edge of riot, drunken bunch of bums I have ever seen connected to any televised debate. It was a disgrace. And it very largely allowed and fueled the shite that we saw permitted as an American presidential debate. Trump won the television show. Either blunderingly or brilliantly, and this is Project Zero IQ, either blunderingly or brilliantly, Trump realized a while ago that he could not possibly compete in a political debate at the presidential level. 
So, Donald Trump, because he's not stupid, he may be uh, a vulgarian, but he's not stupid. He's certainly ignorant, but he's not stupid. He's ignorant of, of a shocking number and breadth of things considering the office he seeks, but he's not stupid. So when Donald Trump realized he could not possibly compete in a, in a, in a real debate at that level, he did what Donald Trump and people like him do. He decided or discovered quite a while ago that he could merely turn it into a game show, a reality show. He could pollute the debates by virtue of his own strength of personality and insults and turn them into a TV show as opposed to a televised debate. And he did. Donald Trump has succeeded. I give you last night, Donald Trump has succeeded in turning the American presidential debates into a reality show. And Donald Trump smiled because he realized I can't compete in a political presidential debate, but I could compete very well at this level. If you get down in the gutter and you're talking about each other's, uh, uh, you know, uh, reproductive uh, plumbing. Oh, I can do that as well as anyone. So showing up being vulgar and an ignoramus and essentially you're fired at the other contestants, the other candidates. That's what this has become. And as for Donald's own affirmative strategy, (laughs) last night he finally revealed the ultimate strategic, the ultimate strategic thinking that entered into his presidential discussion, and that is a warranty to us that his genitalia are of sufficient size to please America. Finally, finally, last night, the leverage was complete. Finally, after a series of of degrading debates, which were less and less presidential debates and more and more television game shows, Donald Trump wore away, wore away, and wore away at it, and the leverage of his own strength of vulgar personality and what people find as a charming ignorance, he was finally able to leverage this once greatly prized element of American politics into becoming the lowest common denominator, a TV game show one that would suit him, one in which he could compete. And that's why last night, candidates for president of the United States were either saying or having to listen to someone else say, my hands are not small and neither is my wedding tackle. And people laughed and people cheered and they sold more beer and popcorn and hot dogs and I watched it and I was able to look around my living room again and say to my family only this time I was the one saying it twerking right twerking Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network
is Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. I am not a fan of Barack Obama, and that was a race. And I backed Mitt Romney. I backed him. You can see how loyal he is. He was begging for my endorsement. I could have said, Mitt, drop to your knees. He would have dropped to his knees. He was begging. Sure. Sure. He was begging me. Yeah, you know, Brett, let me say something. This campaign for the last year, Donald Trump has basically mocked everybody with personal attacks. He's done so to people that are sitting on the stage today. He's done so about people that are disabled. He's done it about every other candidate in this race. So if there's anyone who's ever deserved to be attacked that way, it's been Donald Trump for the way he's treated people in the last campaign. Now, that said... I would much prefer to have a policy debate. I hope that's what we'll have here tonight. Let's have a policy debate. We Let's will. talk about Donald Trump's strategy and my strategy and Ted's strategy and John Kasich's strategy when it comes to ISIS and on health care and on the important issues facing this country. But let's be honest, too, about all this. The media has given these personal attacks that Donald Trump has made an incredible amount of coverage. Let's start talking again about the issues that matter to this country. I'm ready to do that starting right here, right now, tonight. You may have noticed, and uh, actually, that's that's uh, that's way too. Uh, I, I take that back. I'm sorry for that. You you will have noticed by now that Donald Trump, and let me say, if you are for him, and you have a reason for being for him, there is a part of me that is for him. And I wonder if your support derives from the same place as my support, which is vengeance. I'm so sick of being lied to, cheated, stolen from, screwed by my own government and foreign governments. I am so sick of being the sucker all over the world, including by the hand of my own people. That here is a guy that says, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. And we want so to believe him. I want so to believe him. Maybe it's true. Maybe those things can be done. Maybe those things can be done. And maybe Donald Trump can do them. And maybe Donald Trump will try. And maybe Donald Trump will succeed. But those are four very big ifs. Those are four very big ifs. Donald Trump knew he couldn't win a political debate, so he changed it into a TV show. That's Project Zero IQ. Please remember it. You'll soon hear it somewhere else. Not very soon. I'm not that worried. But you'll <clears throat> you'll hear it somewhere else. Also now in terms of uh, our week-old presentation of, of plan, Project 1236, deny Trump the votes. A brokered convention is now being openly spoken about. If you If you follow any political coverage tonight and through the weekend... A brokered convention is now being openly spoken about by virtually every media source. And, of course, those discussing it have very little idea how it works. But they're beginning to get a sense 
of, of what it would mean. They're just beginning to get a sense of what it would mean. There's a lot of ignorance out there. I, I heard some of it last night, and, and after the debate, they really started to discuss it. And the ignorance was was amusing. It just was It's sadder than it is funny. But it takes, you could see the darkness in the back of their eyes, these people on television. They just don't understand what they're reporting. I mean, we had people like sitting at anchor desks saying, all right, so it goes to a brokered convention. If Donald Trump is, you know, more popular than anybody else, if if he's got more votes than anybody else, I mean, not enough, but if he's got more than anybody else, why should he fear a brokered convention? I mean, doesn't he have the best chance of getting the nomination? And and I'm not... I shouldn't be short-tempered with these people or angry. This is not what they do for a living. I just kind of resent that this is what they pretend to know and that so many of us get suckered into believing that they do know what they're talking about. Whatever you do for a living, you know more than they do. If you're here right now, you know why Donald Trump doesn't welcome a brokered convention, brokered by the Republican National Committee, even if he gets more votes than anyone else uh, before the convention. You know why Ted Cruz does not welcome a brokered convention, brokered by the Republican National Committee, because the Republican National Committee knows that they're about as popular, that their fate, under a Cruz administration, I don't know about Trump, possibly, but certainly under a true uh, a Cruz uh, 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 administration, the Republican National Committee would enjoy essentially the same status as ISIS. They know that. That's why they want a brokered convention, because they need, must, at all costs have the ability to deprive the nomination to either Cruz or Trump in that order. The only reason you hear more about Trump than Cruz is because he's got more votes. The instant Cruz starts to look like he may be an equal threat to win the nomination, then they're going to shift Project 1236 right over to Cruz. But Rubio, they can live with. Kasich, they can live with. Mitt Romney, they can live with. Paul Ryan, the new speaker, they can live with. The important thing for them, and you you see that nowhere in here do I include in, in their calculus the prospect of who can beat Hillary, because... It's not included in their calculus, or that is to say it's way, way down the list in their calculus. They would like to win. They would strongly prefer to win. But the thing I have the greatest difficulty persuading people is that the Republican National Committee and the Republican ruling class, the rhinos, would literally rather lose with a candidate they control 
than win with one they don't. That is a literal fact. If if you could give sodium pentothal and haul out a uh, a, a lie detector machine and otherwise just like you know we could know the truth from these guys, they would much rather lose with John Kasich than win with Ted Cruz. People have difficulty believing that. They think it's Area 51 conspiracy theory. It ain't. It's real. By the way, today Donald Trump dropped out of his appearance to uh, speak to the National Conservative Political Action Conference. It's the nation's oldest, used to be called NICPAC. It's the nation's oldest, most prominent uh, PAC group that supports conservatives, anybody who is anybody. Uh, I have been at NICPAC many times. I've spoken there. Uh, the Anybody who's anybody appears at NICPAC. And Donald Trump will be, I think, the only Republican candidate who will not appear. I wonder why. Okay, we're getting to that part of the show that I really am... Uh, I have lots of headlines to cover, and I'm going to get into them. And, and man, they are juicy. Believe me, it's this is all it's all going to be this good today. I promise you. But I want to know what you thought you saw last night. Did you see a TV show, or did you see an American presidential debate? Because what you believe you saw dictates who you think won. If you thought you saw a debate last night or the portions of that broadcast that were a debate, I think Ted Cruz won without question. However, what I mostly saw last night was not a debate. It was a TV show. It was a game show with fart jokes and, you know, a little birds coming down going, quack, quack. And all that, you know, that was that was the Howard Stern show last night in the form of a presidential campaign. In fact, Howard's show is uh, considerably more substantive than that show was last night. Well, that's because Donald Trump turned it has turned this process into a TV show. And I think his genius is in Project Zero IQ. If I can't compete and win in a political debate, I'll just turn it into a wacky, wacky TV show. And that's what he's done. And who won the TV show? Well, you'd have to say the guy that says, you're fired and my unit is big and yours is small. Jay Severin. On the Blaze Radio Network. The Jay Severin Show on the Blaze Radio Network. 
You see what happens again when you challenge him on a policy issue? You ask him about the economy, and the first thing he does is launch an attack about some little guy thing. Because he doesn't have answers. No, and no, he's asking us to answer. make him the president of the United Believe States me. of America. Believe me. I know. This is not a game. I know what's happening on the economy. You don't know it. Well, thing. then answer the you, economy You haven't question. employed in your life one but he person. Doesn't answer I've the employed tens question. of thousands of people. You haven't, employed, you haven't employed one person. You ever heard of Trump stakes? You ever heard of Trump stakes? Uh, you know what? Vodka? You know what? All Take a look at Trump stakes. Ruined. By the way, that's Trump the other thing. Trump stakes is gone. You've ruined these companies. Mitt Romney He's not came up with things that were false. Totally false. And now, the funny thing is, he didn't well, talk about the go. hundreds it's of really successful jobs, the buildings all over the world Mr. that are made of fortune. He doesn't need a lot of those buildings. He doesn't talk about that. I have a policy question for you, sir. Let's see if he answers it. Uh, Donald Trump cannot answer a policy question. And and finally, I don't know why I felt that maybe I've been trapped in what I regard as the solicitude and inherent respect that ought to be shown for this process. But I admit it took me until last night to realize Project Zero IQ, which is Donald Trump isn't being judged in these things by the standard of the Nixon-Kennedy debates or any other presidential debates we've ever seen because these are no longer presidential debates. These are TV shows. These are game shows. These are This has become a reality series. Tell me I'm wrong. This has become a weekly reality series. The Candidates. And we expect, in order to watch it, we expect the the same degree, not type, but the same degree of entertainment. We demand an entertainment quotient. Otherwise, we won't watch it. And nobody on that stage even knew what was coming except Donald Trump. Donald Trump knew. I am too stupid to know how I can't uh, talk about politics and stuff, but I know how to make it into a game show. I can win that. And so he did. By strength of will and ignorance and vulgarity, this guy who cannot complete a single sentence in answering a policy question my favorite moment of all of the debates is when uh, Marco Rubio uh, asked Trump about the, his plan for the insurance company. And Trump said, well, we're going to take the lines away around the states, which, by the way, is, is a, that is an important part of everyone's plan, you know, allowing companies to compete across state lines. But that was that was it. Marco Rubio said, tell us about your plan to improve insurance. And Donald said, uh, well, we're going to take those lines away and there'll be new, terrific, new, huge plans. Uh, they're they're going to be huge. It's going to be great. I'm telling you, it's going to be great. I'm going to make a deal for it. It's going to be great. He is an ignoramus. He's an ignoramus. He is a vulgar ignoramus. Now, I don't doubt someone finally said last night what I've been saying for six months. We have probably elected people worse if you're willing to entertain that uh, entertain that sort of category 
worse than Donald Trump, way back in American history. There have probably been people more vulgar than Donald Trump and who were like smart businessmen, but uh, but just totally vulgar human beings and people who like, you know, would be in the White House and say, here, Mr. Speaker of the House, pull my thumb. You know, pretty good, huh? You know, I mean, yeah, he's a cross of Andrew Jackson uh, and P.T. Barnum, right? This is Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. It's our country that's at stake here. The future of the United States in the most important election in a generation. And he is trying to con people into giving them their vote, just like he conned these people into giving them their money. Let me tell you, the real con artist, excuse me, excuse me. The real con artist is Senator Marco Rubio, who was elected in Florida and who has the worst voting record in the United States Senate. He doesn't go to vote. He's absent. He doesn't go. Now, the people of Florida can't stand him. He couldn't get elected dog catcher. The people of Florida, the people of Florida, and by the way, he, I know he's going to spend $25 million on ads. Without that, he wouldn't have a chance. He's 20 points down. The people in Florida wouldn't react. elect him dog catcher. He couldn't get he any. Reacts. He is right now 21 points down to me. I give you the next president of the United States. Very tossed. Welcome back, partners, my radio family, my friends. We are the Blaze Radio Network. I'm Jay Severin. Our number is 1-888-900-3393. 1-888-900-3393. We have partners on the phone. I hope that you will join them. Frank from Pennsylvania, it is welcome back, I believe. What did you see last night and who, quote-unquote, therefore won? First of all, and this is important, I, I, realize, I realize that fear is, an, is a useful tool in broadcasting, but the first half of your opening monologue, I was afraid somebody had made you a good enough offer to get off of the sides and back in, and we weren't going to have you to call the game. Okay. <laughs> well, why, why do you uh, say that? Well, because you, you, you were talking, you had such a buildup, I thought you were going to announce that you were, had been made a very good offer and were going to go work for a candidate. Uh, it just scared me. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I just I don't I, know. I'm 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 ig- I'm I'm ignorant of my own words in that I don't recall what I may have said that would suggest that. I'm merely curious, but it's okay. We don't need to dwell on it. Uh, the the second thing I sent you I sent you a, a really good tweet with an illustration of what I saw last night, and I thanked you and Doc and Skip. For the the post debate coverage from the Cartoon oh, Network you. debates, because what I saw was uh, 
Bugs Rubio and Daffy Trump illustrating their, their making their classic arguments of uh, duck season, wabbit season. Uh, Elmer <laughs> Elmer Cruz settling the point, going boom and spinning the hat around Donald's head. Uh, you know, make my bill straight again. And and then off to the side, and 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 perhaps making the most poignant point of of the night was Hong Kong Kasich going uh, chicky chow, chicky chow, chicky 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 chow with the you know the karate chops. It was hysterical. Uh, it wasn't a presidential debate. It, All right, I we're even. My that. opening remarks today led you to believe I was considering uh, other employment. Your opening remarks today uh, persuade me that you are considering the involuntarily entering some kind of mental health facility. <laughs> um, what I do think uh, might happen if this if this keeps up, I think what's going to happen is we've got the the GOP establishment is is playing uh, the boy who cried wolf. And we're missing the second precept of Aesop's Boy Who Cried Wolf, which is that if you allow yourself to become complacent, the sheep die. I think what will happen is uh, the sheep are, are going to get killed because the wolf is really the Democrats. They're going to uh, look really dirty with a brokered convention. And Valerie Jarrett is going to unleash uh, the FBI to do what they're supposed to do through, uh, through Obama. And they'll arrest Clinton or at least bring enough charges that it, she's out of the race. Joe Biden will swoop in. He'll take back every Democrat that came over to vote for Trump and every Democrat that didn't come over to vote for Trump and isn't already in um, in, in the, the commies uh, um, uh, side. I think we'll Frank, have... I have, no, I have no doubt that if they, for they the Democrats, for a moment, uh, and they will be monitoring moment to moment... If they for a moment believe that that is true, then they will make true what you just said in one form or another. The candidates' names really don't matter, although I think your choice of Biden is perfect, and I think that would be their choice too. But again, in broader terms, you know, they're, they, they're, they're sitting down and their strategic objective is not let's elect Joe Biden, obviously. It's we need to elect a Democrat. So which we have our choices of any because they really do. They can they could just like the Republicans, they can manipulate the system such that they can have any candidate they want. And so the, all they need to do is decide which one is going to do best against. And I think there's a lot of this going on. I think the Democrats are ultra cynically waiting to see I mean, everyone's waiting to see whether Hillary gets indicted. That's a very secondary game. That's that's down there on their list. I mean, for them what right they're now, really they... waiting to see is who are we running against, Frank? You know, who are we running against? They want to know, are they running against Trump? And then they're going to match Trump up against their toughest opponent. If that's not Hillary, they'll politically kill her off. If if they feel that Hillary is, you know, is the best, fine. But no, they're, I think they too are waiting to pluck from their roster the best starting pitcher they think that can do the best. So the only thing we can do is put in a better shepherd, which to me, the best one we've got is Cruz. He's not going to, you know, you know what I'm saying? It, going back to that, the narrative of the boy who cried, well, we need to put in somebody who's not going to, 
um, keep leading us astray. Uh, look, and we can start I, I trusting have, the, I have the, the Republican Party again. I have, I have waited. Uh, I don't know in how many more presidential campaigns I will vote. Um, I'm closer to the end of my life than I am to the beginning, to put it uh, unnecessarily dramatically, but it's mathematically true. I am closer to the end of my life than to the beginning of my life, considerably closer. I don't know how many, the blessing of how many more presidential campaigns I'll be involved in, but I can say at this point in my life, I have been truly excited outside myself you know, totally outside myself, excited for my nation and ex- excited in the good old fashioned tricorner hat, 4th of July, Thomas Jefferson way um, about two candidates uh, in my lifetime, Ronald Reagan and Pat Buchanan. And I don't expect anyone to, you know, endorse what I'm saying. That's not the purpose of my statement. I just, uh, I hope that Hope that everyone gets someone in their lifetime about whom they can feel truly enthusiastic and and wonderful. And uh, I now have a third, Ted Cruz. And I feel as strongly about Ted Cruz as, and probably more strongly, about Ted Cruz than I even did about Ronald Reagan. And I just, you wait all your life, you know, for your lucky one or a couple of these come along and uh, I can't believe that we have the chance to nominate Ted Cruz and might not. But that's the ball game. We see. We see what happens. Like I am, that we may not get another chance if uh, if we blow this. I agree, because okay. obviously there will be a counter incentive. There'll be a there'll be a there'll be a disincentive to try and produce another cruise because they'll look at this and say, oh, yeah, you, you had a real conservative in the cruise. How did that work out for you? I agree. Frank, I, I thank agree. you. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. On the Blaze Radio Network. The choice Republican primary voters are making is who is best prepared to stand up to Hillary Clinton and beat Hillary Clinton. Donald Trump has written checks to Hillary Clinton not once, not twice, not three times, ten times. And four of those checks were not to her Senate campaign. It wasn't that she was the New York senator and it was a cost of doing business. It was to her presidential campaign. Donald Trump in 2008 wrote four checks to elect Hillary Clinton as president. So I'd like to ask Donald, why did you write checks to Hillary Clinton to be president in 2008? It wasn't for business. And how can you stand on a debate stage now with her and say you don't think she should be actually. Okay, what did you watch? Sometimes we watched a debate last night. Other times we watched a TV show. And I want to repeat, very important to me that no one missed this from our show today, because on top of 
Project 1236, we, Guruji, here with propounds, holy cow, a new and equally important theorem, and that is the uh, zero IQ uh, plan. And it finally realized last night, Donald Trump, blunderingly or brilliantly, realized at some point he could not possibly, could not possibly compete in a political debate at the presidential level. And so he decided to turn it into a game show. I can't talk about politics, but gee whiz, I can say you're fired. And that's what he's done. With a single-mindedness, with a single Vulgarian single-mindedness, uh, he has turned this from a treasured element of American political politics, the presidential debate, into a vulgar game show where the contestants talk about the size of each other's wedding tackle. There it is. He has succeeded, at least in part. Bart from South Carolina, are you still with us? I'm sorry, Bart, we lost you entirely my fault. Please call us back. Jacob from Florida, welcome. Thanks, Jay. Thanks for taking my call. My pleasure. First of all, props to the host for always being days ahead of the narrative in the media and always giving us analysis that uh, we don't get anywhere else. So Thank that's you. why we listen. Thank um, you. As far as what happened last night, I think is, is with all these different quotes and, and bits that were playing uh, on the back and forth, I think Cruz did as much to help himself with his shushing of Donald Trump twice last night uh, and in really showing some competition in this twerking battle, uh, really showing himself to be a little bit strong and not the, uh, you know, the P word that uh, right. put off the <laughs> I agree. I agree. And um, part of that relies, doesn't it? on the guy whom you're going to shush or whom you're thinking of shushing, he asked, the more he acts like a clinically insane person, the better he sets you up to shush him. And I thought last night Donald Trump's behavior was in moments clinically insane. I thought it was outrageous given the circumstances and the decorum of the event on other occasions, but last night, I just thought, Jacob, he was off the hook. And to the degree he was off the hook, that invites someone to step in and sort of be, you know, the one who could say, as he did, just just count to 10, Donald. I thought that was really good. That was great. Because, I mean, you know, I think the, the narrative on Donald is heavily that he's a strong man. And if another candidate can prove that to be false, I think you take away a huge part of what, of the appeal of Donald Trump. Maybe um, so. That, I've noticed something else I haven't heard talked about much, and maybe you've noticed this, but on the rare times where they, where they pull back the cameras on these debates where you can see all of the candidates while one of them is speaking, I noticed that Ted Cruz is the only candidate that looks directly at the person speaking in every – in every scenario, I, I have a feeling that if that were seen more, uh, the body language there would would uh, 
would push the the concept that Cruz is much stronger than you know he's given credit for. You raise a point that is far more uh, richer and significant than I think perhaps even you may realize, and that is in putting together these broadcasts. They used to. I know a lot about this, but that doesn't mean I know what happened. Okay. But because I know a lot about having produced, directed TV, radio, etc., uh, I, I know how this stuff works. I can't tell you how it worked last night. But I'll just bet you that the people who used to be picked off the roster of the appropriate network to broadcast, to, to direct, produce a presidential campaign would have been the older, more senior, more experienced guys who did like meet the press and maybe had done another presidential debate or covered the Kennedy funeral or you know something that was of that magnitude, a very sort of august occasion where the dignity of the network was on the line because it was a very, uh, it, it was, it was a signature event for the network. I have a feeling, uh, Jacob, that when they pick, people now if i'm the executive producer of the next debate i'm probably going to pick a very young directors and producers whose experience mostly includes um the price is right uh <laughs> american gladiator uh you get me I mean, yes, because the di- the difference is, and 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 those who don't know this will maybe get a little bit of uh, cheap insight by imagining for a moment inside that truck, wherever you are, where the director is, the director is calling shots, as they say, and he's he's got maybe let's say you know fifteen cameras, and the pace of the shot he's calling for. A presidential debate, say two, eight years ago, eight years ago, presidential debate. This is what what it would sound like inside the truck. Give me two. Okay, two. Stay steady on him. Stay steady on him. Let him finish his remarks. Okay, two. We're about a minute 20 in now. Stay on him. Okay, now they're going to change. Give me five. Camera five, stay on him, stay on him. Okay. That's a meet the press direction. Inside the truck last night, inside the booth, it sounded like this. Give me two. Give me five. Go back to two. Get that reaction. Get that reaction on seven. Oh, it's beautiful. Go go back to five. Give me seven. Give me five. Give me seven. Give me three. Go back to number two. Look, he's picking his nose. Give me three. Go back to five. A nightmare. Look, look, he looks like he's going to puke. Go, go to seven. This, they're, they're directing a ball game. They're directing an NBA game. They're directing right. a football playoff game in overtime. That's what it looks like when you start to look like the product that we saw on the stage last night. And, 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 and Jacob, I must put in another word for my pet peeve, uh, my secondary hope for my Pulitzer and that is the earliest person uh, with a microphone to have complained about this before the first debate, and that is the audience. Uh, 
In our earliest opinion here, the audience has been increasingly a distraction, a disgrace. It has been perverting, absolutely perverting the dynamic of this so-called debate. In fact, the debate, as it progressed last night, the audience appeared to be on the verge of riot. I really thought that there could be. There were people, do you know, for the entire debate screaming out, Oh, we don't like you. Now screw you. The, the entire thing. They didn't even try to calm them down. You know why? Twerking. Seven, the Blaze Radio Network. Jay Severin Show. He hit my hands. Nobody has ever hit my hands. I've never heard of this one. Look at those hands. Are they small hands? <laughs> and he referred to my hands. If they're small, something else must be small. I guarantee you there's no problem. I guarantee it. Right. Okay. I am not a fan of Barack Obama, and that was a race. And I backed Mitt Romney. I backed him. You can see how loyal he is. He was begging for my endorsement. I could have said, Mitt, drop to your knees. He would have dropped to his knees. He was begging. He was begging me. Yeah, you know, Brett, let me say something. This campaign for the last year, Donald Trump has basically mocked everybody with personal attacks. He's done so to people that are sitting on the stage today. He's done so about people that are disabled. He's done it about every other candidate in this race. So if there's anyone who's ever deserved to be attacked that way, it's been Donald Trump for the way he's treated people for the last campaign. Now, that said, I would much prefer to have a policy debate. I hope that's what we'll have here tonight. Let's have a policy debate. We Let's will. talk about Donald Trump's strategy and my strategy and Ted's strategy and John Kasich's strategy when it comes to ISIS and on health care and on the important issues facing this country. But let's be honest, too, about all this. The media has given these personal attacks that Donald Trump has made an incredible amount of coverage. Let's start talking again about the issues that matter to this country. I'm ready to do that starting right here, right now, tonight. So, again, the uh, Project Zero IQ, Donald Trump, blunderingly or brilliantly, somewhere along the line, realized he could not possibly compete in a presidential debate, but said, wait a second, wait a second, I can debate, he thought, thought, (laughs) uh, and realized that a political debate, he has no chance. But if he could turn it into a game show, game shows I know. And if you watched last night, not to be, you know, too much of a, a prude or a straight arrow, but uh, without apology for either of those things, last night was a disgrace. The audience was a disgrace. That they let the audience, you think it was a mistake? The director doesn't need to hold that shot when they take a shot of Brett Baer answering a, asking a question and the people behind Brett Baer are looking at themselves on monitors along the side of the auditorium and they start behaving like chimpanzees because they see themselves. And there were a dozen people at least that were routinely in the shot 
most of the young people who were hamming it up really big time, really disgracefully and disrespectfully for the camera. Whatever gave the producers of that debate last night the idea that placing monitors on the right and left-hand sides of the auditorium so the audience could see themselves. Why did they do that? You think those monitors were there? No, those monitors were installed there. Someone said, and we're going to put line monitors, two or three of them on each side of the auditorium so that the audience can see itself when our shot includes them. Why? What the, it, it, had it been 20 years ago, people would have sat there not looking to see whether they were on TV or maybe giving it a, you know, a discreet glance. And if they realized they were, they would have all the more reason behaved themselves. But this was... Do you know what the people in TV call cameras when they take them out on the street any live shot out on the street they call cameras an a-hole magnet that's what cameras are known as a-hole magnets only they spell it out because that's what they are the minute a camera hits the streets what what you've got is a magnet for uh you know <laughs> As aforesaid. And so last night, we traced this back step by step. Why were there monitors showing the audience themselves? The answer is because the audience would act in the most animated possible fashion if they saw themselves on the TV. And so they saw themselves on the TV and they acted like chimps. And again, during... I remember during virtually all of the questioning, there were one or two or five people in the auditorium in the back saying, I hate you, Chris. I don't like you, Kazak. Oh, kiss my ass. And there wasn't any attempt, there wasn't the blink of an eye on the part of a moderator or an attempt internally to squelch that in any way. They wanted it to happen. The networks know it's going to happen. They are producing debates so as to encourage disruptive audience uh, 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 involvement because they realize what Donald Trump realizes. It's a TV show. It's not a debate. No one will watch a debate. Lots of people will watch a TV show, though. And so they produce it to be a TV show. And that means they want the audience to act like chimpanzees. And believe me, that requires very little coaching. And it's what we saw last night. The audience involvement has now devolved in these debates to be a surefire cog in the wheel that turns these into gong shows because people will watch the gong show. People will not watch a bunch of white guys talking about the 
uh, fascinating evolution of the law of real estate. But we never before allowed that. But that's, again, it all comes down to what we know to be true, twerking. So, uh, Trump, here's, this was a great moment last night, I thought. Trump was listening to Ted Cruz answer a question on the 10th Amendment. And there was a chance that Trump would be asked the same question. And Ted Cruz said, you know what? I'm going to go on this one with the uh, with the Tenth Amendment. I'm very comfortable with, with the Tenth Amendment. I think these things should be left to the individual states, as the founding fathers intended. You know, one state might want to do something different than another state. It's and and people, uh, the few people there who were paying attention, uh, applauded fairly wildly. And I could, I looked at Trump at that moment. And you could almost see on his face, he kind of looked like that that painting of a chimpanzee contemplating the bust of Homer. And Trump kind of had that, he had his jaw thrust out, that Cro-Magnon jaw thrust out, you know, and that big upper lip. And he was, and that great big chimpanzee, that big gorilla forehead of his, kind of wrinkled and had his monkey face on and was was thinking about what Ted was saying. I mean, apparently he was. He might have been thinking about dinner. I don't know. But it looked as though he was listening to Ted. And the bubble over his head to me said, you know, that sounds pretty good. What amendment was that again? Well, hey, uh, just keep it on the QT. Hey, Marco, what amendment was that he's talking about? What, the, the 110th? What was that? The tenth. That sounds pretty good. I'm gonna have to remember that. That's a good one. Somebody tell me more. I I I I just. Uh, Cruz did have a couple of opportunity to grab, uh, you know, kind of run to daylight to watch Rubio and Trump cut each other's throats, like stand there stabbing each other, and then wait a beat and say. Uh, my fellow Americans, is this what you want? You know, is 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 this going to solve our problems? Uh, Rubio had the best single line of the debate, uh, such as it was. Uh, but Rubio had the best single line. He was mocking Trump, and uh, this was, uh, I think, in his opening remarks or very close to them. Marco Rubio said about Trump. He believes the nuclear triad is a rock band from the 80s. <laughs> I thought that was great. I, Trump thinks nuclear triad is a rock band from the 80s. And what makes it funny is that the nuclear triad is the, the, the principal uh, fulcrum of our, of America's defending ourselves from nuclear annihilation. It's the bedrock of our national defense plan, the nuclear triad. That doesn't mean that everybody needs to know what it means. What it does mean is that 
every running everybody running for president of the United States and commander in chief ought to know what it means. And two or three debates ago, Donald Trump, when asked, gave us a thousand yard stare and was about to answer seemingly, yeah, that's a isn't that a uh that's a British rock band from the eighties, right? This is Jay Febron on the Blaze Radio Network. This is the Jay Severin Show. On the Blaze Radio Network, partners on the phone, Mark from Ohio. Welcome. Jay, how are you, my friend? Pretty well, sir. Excellent, excellent. Hey, you know, uh, Donald can't even lie about his attacks correctly. (laughs) Marco Rubio picked up an attack on his hands, which has been a running joke from uh, a New York columnist for years. And in my opinion, knowing that Donald would have to respond, but Don gets up there, Donald gets up there on the, on the stage and says, no one ever picks on my hands. No one ever picks on my hands. Uh, No, Don, everybody, uh, not everybody. Uh, A New York columnist picks on your hands. Well, uh, let let me back you up on this. No, 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 No one knows this, but I know it. The uh, the earliest known precedent of this is in the now, def- I believe, now defunct, but hilarious Spy magazine, which was published out of New York and was a, uh, a I, I, we all loved it. The, the, my, I say we all, a certain group of people loved it, obviously not a group big enough, but the, the, the smart crowd in Manhattan loved it uh, in the 80s. And it was, it mocked everybody. And it was, it was mockery. You know, it was Mad Magazine for grownups. So it it went after exposés and kind of punctured the balloons of the effete uh, and self-important. And that was the first place where uh, known that Donald Trump was called a short-fingered vulgarian. (laughs) And I happen to know the journalist that, that called him that. And, uh, wrote it, uh, who's a brilliant guy in any case. Well, that, that was my, you know, just a, a quick, a short, a short phone call to you, Jay. I just wanted to, to bring it up that not only can he, uh, uh, not know anything about the 10th amendment or, or, uh, uh, backtrack on, on everything, but he has, he has this guttural instinct to actually yeah. lie about. No, and I, I agree. You know, whenever I find myself, unless it's Hillary Clinton's backside uh, or anything, I, I and even that does not belong in the debates. I, I when I look at when I look at these few ebbing traditions that we have in America, and one of them being the debates, and God knows they could be better. They ought to be better given the technology we have. That's that's something that could be wed with technology in theory to become better. 
and more educational for all people who get them excited, get them informed. Not a lot. I'm not, you know, totally pipe dreaming here, but you know, with the wedding of technology, the presidential debates could actually be better. But instead they have they have they've seen the fork in the road and they took the cheapest, tawdriest way and they've turned they've turned it into twerking. Yeah, absolutely. It's the it's the um self-aggrandizing nature of our culture, my good man. Mark, I appreciate the call. Again, the most insulting thing here is, you know, why or why 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 does Mark have to reduce himself to talk about Donald Trump's hands? Why do I? You know, why should I know what the history of the quotation about uh about Donald Trump's hands? Who cares? Who ought to care? We're being forced to care because the mainstream media is giving us nothing else. And when you sit and talk about your meal with your fellow diners, you know, if you're at a dinner party, you should not be talking about frozen uh, meatloaf dinner. Although I happen to love meatloaf, including frozen meatloaf dinner. But, you know, you really oughtn't be sitting around talking about how was your frozen meatloaf. But if the hosts will serve only frozen meatloaf, then that's all you're going to have the opportunity to discuss. And so that's what the people who can make this a beautiful political opera gave us meatloaf. The Jay Severin Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network.